You're tuned in to The Go Show, the official podcast of Andy Go, owner and founder of Gojo Studios in Charlotte, North Carolina. I'm your host, Andy Go. You're tuned in to The Go Show, the official podcast of me, Andy Go, and Gojo Studios, located here in Charlotte, North Carolina. There's so many other podcasts out there that you could have been tuned into, but you're here with me and I greatly appreciate that. Uh, today is the one year anniversary of the passing of my uncle, Charlie, and I just wanted to take a minute today to really pay my respects to my uncle, who was such a important part of my life and one of the greatest influences that I have. Uh, not only growing up, uh, but even after his passing, his legacy is living on and still influencing who I am today and who I will be in the future. So my uncle, as if you've listened to my other podcast, you know that my uncle and my dad immigrated to the United States back in the mid to late 1960s. So my uncle, Charlie, he actually, uh, studying in Malaysia, found a newspaper ad for a educational exchange program at Warren Wilson College, which ironically is here in North Carolina, just outside of Asheville in the uh, western part of the state. And uh, so he came over with, uh, you know, no money, (laughs) very limited knowledge of the language and no cultural capital. My dad followed him uh, over to the United States a year, year and a half later. Um, But Charlie was the first one to come over to the United States uh, seeking a better education. He felt that there was more opportunity in the United States versus uh, Malaysia, the jungles of Borneo in essence, uh, which is where my family is, is, is from. And, uh, and, and that's actually how, uh, ironically it's kind of full circle for me to be back here in North Carolina, uh, near where my uh, dad and my uncle immigrated to. So, uh, my uncle, he was a real hardworking guy. All he wanted to do was just, of course, work hard and get an education and make a better life for himself. Uh, and that's that's really what he did. He studied at Warren Wilson College. He uh, ended up getting degrees from Texas A&M University and also the New Mexico Institute of Mining and Technology. He actually became a really accomplished guy. He uh, was a nuclear scientist for a big part of his life. In fact, uh, being in New Mexico is something that I think really ended up um, changing the trajectory of his life. Uh, he did a lot of research out there, but he also made a lot of friends uh, in that part of the country and grew a deep appreciation for uh, the Southwest, uh, which is, you know, he actually ended up living in Albuquerque for about 10 years after he retired. Uh, and, uh, you know, so he was a guy who, again, started with nothing, got an education, really built something out of himself. Um, and, uh, during his lifetime, one of the things that I'll remember the most about him. And I think one of the things that had an effect on me and still does to this day is that he's the most well-traveled person I know. 
Uh, he's literally traveled to almost every part of the con- every part of the world, uh, six continents. I don't think he ever made it to uh, Antarctica or anything like that. But he's been to every other continent, as far as I know. He's been to, gosh, I would have to guess over a hundred countries. I've I've never really tallied it all up. But um, some of my earliest memories of of my uncle Charlie were when he would travel somewhere and he would come visit me and my family in Bloomington in Southern Indiana. And he would bring me a a gift every time, every time he visited, he would bring me a gift. It was something that I looked forward to every time because, you know, when I was young, Hey, gifts are really (laughs) all I care about and stuff like that. But I remember the gifts that he would bring uh, weren't like the gifts that I would get everywhere else. Uh, they were always international. They are always from some faraway land. They were always something that I don't think I realized at the time, but these days I can tell really opened my eyes to a different world outside of Southern Indiana. I remember this one time he brought me just a little model car. Uh, it was probably from some Eastern European country, if I had to guess. And, uh, I just remember that it was different. It wasn't like a sports car. It wasn't like, a you know, a luxury car or anything like that. It was just like a little orange pedestrian model car that, um, that ended up being one of my favorite gifts that he ever gave me just because I knew that it was from somewhere else. And that opened, you know, my perspectives to what the world was like outside of Southern Indiana. When I was probably eight or 10 years old, he got me a subscription to National Geographic that he uh, ended up paying for for, you know, more than a decade following that. It was probably after I was in college that (coughs) that and I think that National Geographic started to the magazine anyway, started to, you know, kind of fade away. It wasn't until then that, you know, I stopped receiving them. But he paid for me to have a National Geographic subscription for many, many years, which again, contributed to this, this love of travel and this love of exploration and this love of discovering new places that drives me and is is just so deeply instilled in me today. Um, You know, my uncle Charlie, he was, he was, he was a really well-traveled guy. I remember asking him one time, what, what was the most What was the most breathtaking place he'd ever been to which he said the Taj Mahal. And then I also remember asking him what was the most disappointing place he'd ever been to, to which he said the pyramids in Egypt, (laughs) just because there's just, you know, the, the areas surrounding uh, the pyramids are just not that interesting. Uh, Now, one place I do differ from him in, in where it comes to travel is that for him, traveling was, was more about just kind of being there and being able to say you were there. (laughs) He never really, uh, even when he was younger, seemed to be too interested in, really diving into the, uh, you know, the, the, the nitty gritty and the, you know, the real deep cultural stuff in, in all these different places that he visited. Uh, but I knew he had a great, great appreciation for it. You know, for me, when I travel, I want to walk the streets. I want to eat the local food. I want to immerse myself in the culture of the place that I'm staying. So I do think that that's a little bit of a difference that, uh, that we have when it comes to travel. Um, but, uh, of course, one of the places that he traveled to almost every single year was back home to Malaysia, uh, to see our side of the family, 
uh, in that part of the world. So he would almost annually at least be traveling to to Miri in Sarawak, the state in Malaysia that my my family lives uh, or is is most uh, originated with. Um, Kuching, another city in Malaysia that uh, that my city has a has a solid presence in, and also places like Singapore and Kuala Lumpur were all pretty much on an annual basis places that he would visit. Now, I, I only got to go overseas maybe a handful of times while I was growing up. I mean, it's expensive. It is a long flight. Um, it's just not something that I was able to do all that much growing up. Um, and really it's only been in the last couple of years that I've been able to really afford to be able to do that and have the time to be able to do it as well. So these days I would say that I'm at my most alive and my most natural when I'm exploring new places. Uh, and I will never stop exploring or traveling or discovering new places uh, as long as I'm able to. Uh, and I know a big part of that has to do with my Uncle Charlie. Um, Uncle Charlie was also a really mysterious guy. He was very, very, very intensely private. He was a guy who cared about his family and cared about the people around him, but he didn't really divulge much about who he was or the things that he was thinking about or the things that really drove him. <clears throat> he, uh, we always used to joke when he was, uh, working in, uh, as a, as a nuclear research scientist, I guess, uh, in, in New Mexico that he was working on the Manhattan project out there. And uh, we always used to joke about that, but that's not something that he ever really fully denied either. So uh, there's a big part of his life that that we just don't always know about. Uh, me and my family to this day, even my dad, his brother, uh, doesn't know about some of the stuff that he was doing, uh, you know, for for long stretches of his life. And I think that even now we're still discovering things about him that we didn't know. <clears throat> He's also a guy who never got married, never had kids of his own. Um, he was someone who was very uncompromising about living the life that he wanted to live. And I can very much appreciate that. I don't know that I'd necessarily want to go down that same path. I don't think that I want to be quite that isolated, but I'll always respect him for living life on his own terms and wanting to do the things in life that he wanted to do and get the things out of life that he wanted to, which I'm sure is partially what led him to come to the United States in the first place when it was not something that was particularly uh, enthusiastic uh, from the rest of the family at the time. Um, so, I, you know, that's another thing that I feel like I take from him is, uh, is an ability to really desire out of life what I want to have and not be swayed by what other people want for me out of my life. Later in his life, you know, closer to the time where I was actually old enough to understand things and have thoughts of my own, uh, he transitioned from, you know, being a scientist to being the head of an information technology department uh, at Delaware Technical Institute. So 
that was just another example to me of just how versatile he was, how, again, he wanted certain things out of life, how progressive he was. Uh, he was working on IT network systems when they were just barely in their infancy, certainly nothing like they are today. And that also probably had a hand in inspiring me to be interested in technology and computers and software and all these other things that now I use in my daily work as a podcast producer, as a social media manager in, in, in my past job. Uh, all of these sorts of things uh, are, are stuff that I use on a daily basis. And I was fortunate enough to grow up looking up to him when he was doing his work as the head of an IT department to really inspire this idea of technology as the future, as being tech literate and being able to work with uh, all these new systems and softwares that were coming out. Uh, that's something that, again, I don't think I'd be the person I am today without his teachings. Charlie was also somebody who was, who held family in very high regards. Um, after my mom and my dad got divorced, again, my mom, you know, was from Kentucky. So, you know, marrying my dad was a completely sort of, strange thing at the time to have a interracial couple um, in, in, in Kentucky and in Southern Indiana. And, uh, you know, they ended up eventually getting divorced probably about the time I was eight, nine years old. That would have been the early nineties, late eighties or so. And, uh, you know, uncle Charlie could have just, said, Hey, that's, uh, you know, I did what I could and, 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 you know, I'm just going to move on with my life. Uh, I don't have a blood connection to, you know, uh, to, to Sharon, who is my mom and, and me and everything else. Uh, well, he did have a blood connection obviously through my dad, but you know, he, he didn't have any obligation to our family, uh, that side of the family at all. Um, but he stuck with us throughout that whole time. He was right there uh, giving us support, uh, not only financially, but also just being there as somebody who connected those two worlds, those two sides of the family. The only reason in a lot of ways that we are still connected with that side of my family is because of what Uncle Charlie did during those years to help keep the family together. And again, he had no obligation to do that. He had no, no need to do that himself. He could have just lived his life and, and continued traveling and done all the things that, that he wanted to, but, but he stuck with us and I'll never, I'll never forget him for that. Um, and even in my own life, when I was at my lowest points, when I was, uh, when I was drowning in student loan debt and when I was not, accomplishing the things that I felt that I should have and that my family felt that I should have. Uh, he never wavered. He never gave up on me. He always had faith in me. He always knew what I could be. And, um, and again, there's, there's no amount of gratitude in the world that is, is, is enough for me to, to really pay that back to him. After Charlie retired, he settled out in Albuquerque, New Mexico, a place that I'd only heard of through Bugs Bunny cartoons. 
and uh, I really knew nothing about. Uh, the first time I visited him there was in 2008, and uh, there's a balloon festival that they do out there that uh, is, is supposedly, I guess, one of the biggest in the country, maybe one of the biggest in the world. I don't know, but it's it's a very, very big balloon festival that is one of the signature events of the city and one of the things the city's known for, but I really got to know it um, it, it, it very intimately over the next decade um, and how beautiful it was, how historic it was, how Native American culture is so deeply ingrained into the Southwest, uh, the Sandia Mountains, which if you watch Breaking Bad, those are the mountains that are in the background of every shot in the city because the city is literally at the foot of of these mountains. It's uh, kind of crazy how close they are to the mountains, um, uh, especially considering how the rest of Albuquerque is very, very flat. And then you have this gorgeous mountain range right next to it. Um, but uh, between visits to Albuquerque and also watching Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul, can't lie about that. Um, you know, I grew, uh, I grew a great appreciation for Albuquerque and Albuquerque um, will always be a place that holds a lot of significance to me because of, you know, how I got to see it when, uh, when I was visiting my uncle. Um, again, just he didn't even have to do much overtly to, uh, to really influence me and, and affect the trajectory of my life. And I think that's a testament to just how deeply he loved me and how much uh, he wanted for me in my life. Now, uh, one of the things, uh, unfortunately, that he struggled with was that he was a lifelong smoker. He smoked pretty much up until the day he died. Um, but, uh, you know, in the last few years of his life, he ended up developing a really, really bad case of COPD. Uh, compulsive obstruction, uh, obstructive pulmonary disease, which is one of the things that you get when you smoke for your entire lifetime. Uh, I remember in 20, 2015, I had to uh, actually go to Singapore um, just uh, with a day or two's notice because while traveling in Singapore, he actually came down with a pretty gnarly case of pneumonia. And uh, I had to go there to uh, essentially escort him back to Albuquerque, back to the United States uh, on which what is, of course, a series of l very long plane rides. And we all you know, know about pressurization and and oxygen being a issue or at least something to consider on airlines. So um, so that was uh, something that I remember having to do for him that. Um, well, of course, I jumped at the opportunity to help my uncle out and help my family out. But of course, you know, the love of travel ha had very much been instilled in me at that point. And, uh, and I was grateful for the opportunity to do that. Um, that said, I knew that that moment marked the beginning of a series of events that, well, we, we knew where that would go. We, we knew where that would go. Um, Charlie recovered from that, uh, relatively speaking, continued traveling a few years later, the same sort of thing happened again in Singapore. And instead of me going, my, my brother-in-law had to go, uh, scoop him back up. Um, but we knew that it was, it was getting towards the end. And so we eventually were able to convince him to move from Albuquerque to Bloomington, uh, which is where my mom and my dad live. 
um, so that he could be closer to, you know, family that would be able to take care of him should, should he need it. He didn't have family in Albuquerque. He just had really close friends, but friends can only do so much uh, in those circumstances. You know, fun fact about Albuquerque too, another reason why we had to move him is that Albuquerque actually has the same elevation uh, relative to sea level that that Denver has, that Denver, Colorado has. Uh, so it's it's actually a mile high in the air. Well, not in the air, but, you know, uh, relative to sea level. So, of course, you know, that's not a good place for somebody with respiratory illnesses uh, because the air is literally thinner in Albuquerque than uh, than it is in Bloomington. So. We were able to uh, get him uh, a, a little condo back in Bloomington, only a couple of blocks away from where my mom lives and where my dad lives. And, uh, you know, he was able to uh, live for another year and a half or so um, up until this time last year when he ended up having to go to the hospital. Uh, had some real bad pneumonia, of course, uh, a couple of other issues. Um, but uh, essentially, he had to be put on a respirator, um, and it became clear to us that he wasn't going to be able to make it out of this particular situation like he had in the past. And uh, so, f- thankfully, what the doctors were able to do in Bloomington was to keep him on the respirator long enough uh, for me to drive from here in Charlotte back to Bloomington, uh, and for my sister who lives in Washington, DC to, 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 to also, I think she actually flew, but, uh, to get to Bloomington overnight to, uh, be with him at his bedside. And I remember that this was, if, if you think back to this time last year, this was probably at the very height of the scariest and most unknown days of the pandemic. This is when state lockdowns were starting to happen. This is certainly after businesses had already been closed. Travel advisories were very much in effect. I remember leaving out that night and I, I literally drove overnight. Like I, I, I got the call that I had to do this probably around noon uh, you know, that day. And I had to leave maybe at like six, five or six o'clock that night, which meant I literally drove overnight. It's, it's a 10 hour drive to get back to Bloomington. So I literally drove overnight, didn't sleep. Um, so that, so that I could be there, but I remember driving and being like, well, you know, is, is a state trooper going to stop me and be like, Hey, don't you know, there's a lockdown son. And why are you traveling across state lines and all this sort of stuff? I mean, that's how real the pandemic was at that point, which added of course, an extra layer of, I don't know, um, of, of scariness to the uh, whole situation. Um, fortunately though, like I said, the doctors were able to keep him on the respirator long enough so that we could get there the next morning um, I could see my uncle one last time. Uh, there was a few other family with us. My sister, my dad was there, uh, his wife and my half brother. And, uh, they took him off the respirator and we were able to be with him and, and see him through to the end. And of course, that's a, a memory that'll always be with me. And, and, it's something that I've put a lot of thought into in the years since. 
in the years since his passing, it's, it's meant a lot to me to think about who he was and what he wanted for me. And not only who he was, but who, what he left me with. Um, I've, I've said several times on this podcast that I really feel that uh, I'm very grateful for my dad and my uncle for having immigrated to this country again with nothing and, and work and just working their asses off to make a better life for themselves and, and specifically for me, my sister and, and my brothers and my sisters, my half brothers and steps brothers and stepsisters and all that. And that's exactly what they did. That's exactly what they gave for us. And um, I feel that it is my purpose in life to build off of what Charlie gave to me and the vision that he had for me. The vision that he had for me, I didn't even have for myself. And I don't think anybody had for me, but, but that's who he was. He never gave up on me. He never quit. He always knew that I had the ability in me to be, to be somebody very special. And I owe everything that I have today. Uh, maybe not every, absolutely everything, but I owe so much to who he was and what he gave to me after he passed away. Of course, we had to clean out his condo and, you know, look back at all of his belongings and all that. And I've, I've really, come to realize that, that I am very much a product of who he was. You know, he was a, he was a very charismatic person. He was beloved in his community, absolutely beloved in his community. Um, he developed deep friendships with a lot of the people that he met. Um, he created a life for himself out of sheer will and determination. And I see so many parallels today with who I am and where my life is with what he has done. And if I can honor his memory by being myself and by being true to myself, I think that's probably the greatest thing that I can do to honor him and, and, and continue his legacy. So one of the great things that I'm really proud of that we're going to be doing is uh, that me and my family are going to be doing is uh, we are establishing two scholarships, two named scholarships in my uncle's honor. One at Warren Wilson College, which again is right here in North Carolina. For those of you listening that are here in Charlotte, uh, Warren Wilson College is just outside of Asheville. And we are going to be establishing a named scholarship in his honor that's going to be awarded annually to students of an international background. So just like he was able to come to this country from another country and make a better life for himself. So will other students every year for as long as possible uh, through this scholarship. And that's something that means a lot to me. And then, of course, also at Delaware Technical Institute, where he was the professor of the, uh, or the head of the IT department uh, for many years. We are establishing a named scholarship in his honor uh, to support single parents. We'd like to say we, we wanted it to be specifically for single mothers because that's actually what he wanted. Um, 
but uh, but state law says that we can't specify it on the basis of gender. So we do have a uh, scholarship that we are planning on uh, creating uh, that is going to be specifically for single parents who have custody of their kids. And that makes me think about what legacy means. We all want to live forever and we all want to be on this earth as long as we can, but none of us can be, obviously. None of us will live forever. And the only way that we can really impact this world after we've passed is to leave a legacy, is to create things that will affect people long after you've passed on. Um, It's the old idea of planting a tree that you know that you will never see the fruits of, that you'll never sit under the shade of. But maybe your children will be able to sit under that shade and maybe their children will be able to pick the fruits from that tree. That's what legacy means to me. And I'm deeply proud of the legacy that my uncle is leaving for me and for my family and for me to be able to build on what my uncle gave me and create a better opportunity for not only my family but other people who are following in his footsteps, that'll be the greatest use of my time here on this, here on this planet that I can think of. So I just want to end by saying thank you, Uncle Charlie, because I know you loved me. I know you do love me. You never quit on me. You never, you could have walked away anytime you chose, but you never did. Your love for me was greater than all of that. And the faith that you showed in me means that I'm going to spend the rest of my days making sure that I'm making you proud. I'm going to make you proud and I'm going to continue on the legacy that you've laid out for me. And I'm going to build on that legacy so that others can see how special and how wonderful of a person that you are and always will be. My name's Andy Go, saying drive home safe, be great every day. Tell your loved ones that you love them. I'm out. That's all the time we have for today. Thank you for listening to The Go Show. If you enjoyed this episode, do me a favor and subscribe to The Go Show on your podcast platform of choice. Give us an honest rating and a review as well. It really helps this podcast appear in other people's feeds and searches. Follow me personally on Twitter at Andy Go and on Instagram at The Gojo. That's G-O-H-J-O. You can find Gojo Studios on both platforms at Gojo Studios. And finally, check out gojostudios.com for all the latest updates and podcast material. The Go Show is created, written, recorded, edited, mixed, mastered, and produced by Andy Go 
of Gojo Studios. Music by Harvey Cummings.